are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Okay, I'm going to read uh, from... uh... Colossians chapter 3 this morning, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 25. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Testament, and uh, this is a continuation of the series that I've prepared for the summer, and every time I preach, I'm preaching on Colossians, but it's all good stuff. The title of the message today is Your, Your New Life in Christ. We've all got a new life in Christ, Amen. It's quite different from the one we used to live. Okay, so Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an adulterer. Worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You, should, uh, you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger and rage and malice, malicious behavior, slander and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have... Uh, stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. But you put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free, Christ is all that matters, and he, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And I'll stop there right now. Okay. In chapter 1 and 2, Paul has maintained that Christ is the all-sufficient one. He's all-sufficient in matters of salvation and in overcoming sin. Colossians 2.10 says, And you are complete in him, who who is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in Christ. Beginning now in chapter 3, Paul gives some basic 
and practical admonitions that pertain to living this life in Christ. When carried out, these basic principles for living in Christ will assure that we find in him everything that we need. First of all, your new life brings a new focus. Your new life brings a new focus. This is essential if we desire to be transformed by the power of God. Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's God's will. It's good and pleasing and perfect. Who wouldn't want God's will for your life? When you realize that God has your best interest at heart. It is necessary if we want to live according to the Spirit. And every born-again believer should be living according to the Spirit, walking in that way. In Romans 8, verse 5 and 6 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. That's spiritual death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And you know, we all have that choice. We choose on what we dwell on. A thought may come into your mind that is not very good. But if you don't dwell on it, if you choose to put that out and choose to think on the things that are right, your life is a totally different picture. How do we seek heavenly things? By directing our minds and our attention to such things as are mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And in, in Paul says here in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Now, dear brothers and sisters... One final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, our thought life is something that we choose. You choose what to dwell on. Now, the enemy will always bring something into your mind, and you say, where did that come from? But it is your choice to put it out and say, in the name of Jesus, Satan, get out of here, and begin to think on the things of God's word, his love, his mercy, his grace, his blessings, the things that he has done for you, the things that you want him to do for you, for your family. It's easy to get out of that, that mindset of always allowing the, the, the muck and the mire to come in and to cloud your mind and your thinking. 
More specifically, it's by, by setting our attention on the Word of God. And in order to set your attention on the Word of God, you've got to know what the Word of God says. You've got to read it. Now, some of you may say, well, you know, like I've tried so many times to read the Bible, but, you know, like it doesn't really seem to do any good because after I've read a chapter, as soon as I close the book, I've forgotten what it's all about. I, don't, I can't tell you for the life of me what I read. But you see, the Bible is God's word. It's a spiritual word. It's spiritual. It does something for your spiritual man, for your spiritual woman. Amen? And it's food for your soul. And just like food, sometimes, well, especially with little kids, like I, watch, I get a great kick out of watching Cindy and Lance trying to get uh, my grandkids to, to eat, uh, eat their, their food, you know? But they would like, you know, junk food. They would like all of the stuff that tastes good and tastes pleasant. But, but Cindy and Lance make them that okay. You don't have to eat it all, but you have to eat some of everything. And uh, sometimes I, I'm a great teaser, and so sometimes I'll, I'll look at them and I'll see this big lump in their mouth like this. And so I'll look at one of the other ones and I'll put my tongue out like that, and I'll, who am I? And then everything goes haywire because they don't like to be teased. But uh, what the kids don't understand is that mom and dad knows that you've got to get some nutrients into your body. You've got to get some vitamins. You've got to get all of those proteins and all of these things into your body so that you'll grow healthy and strong. And what the devil don't want you and I to know is that if you, keep, if you do not read the Bible, if you do not study the Word of God, you're going to get weak spiritually. And there's a possibility that you might even die spiritually. And so God knows that, and so he has put it together as only God could in 66 books, everything that you and I need for every avenue of our life to keep us healthy and strong and vibrant. And that's what that word is for. There are more reasons to seek heavenly things. He says we died with Christ. He is alive and our life is hidden in him. We are no longer bound by sin. Even if you choose to sin today, you are not bound by sin. You don't have to do that anymore. Because Christ has set you free. And the Bible says that when he has set you free, you are really free. Really, truly free. And that's what he wants for every one of his children. You see, our new master now is Jesus. He has set us free from the law of sin and death. And you know what? He don't call us servants. Yes, we all serve him. 
There is a joy that comes through serving Christ. But he calls us friends. As Paul wrote to the Galatians, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Christ living in me. That's the secret, folks, of living the Christian life, is allowing Christ to work his way and his will and his plan in my life and in yours. Now, for reasons known only to God, he has decided that he will not force me to do anything. He wants me to love him. But he don't say, I've got to. He wants it to be my choice. He wants me to serve him. But he allows me to make the choice. He wants me to be the best that I can be. And then, secondly, your new life influences your personal conduct. Isn't it amazing? I, I was a, I used to cuss like crazy. I mean, it was just terrible. And the day that I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, apart from one time when I told you I was in the, the day, the first day that I gave my heart to the Lord, and and I, uh, I got in, the, in this little rowboat behind the, the, the motorboat, and the wave came in and, and uh, made me wet. And, uh, and I started cursing, and, and all of a sudden I realized, I'm saved. I, I don't do that anymore. And I said, forgive me, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, a person who cusses a lot, gives their heart to the Lord, and basically, from that time on, that filthy language is gone. That's a spiritual thing. That's something that only God can do. But I have the choice. I can choose to do it anytime I want to. But I don't, because I love Jesus. So we must put to, get to death sensual sins, things that appeal to the lust of the flesh. It's one thing to do these things when we lived in them, but in Christ, we have died to them. In other words, we consider all of that past life dead. Paul says, have nothing to do with the sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. Don't be greedy, for greedy persons are uh, idolaters, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things, but your life 
when your life was still a part of this world. There's a lot of things that we did before we asked Christ into our life that we don't do anymore. Some of the things took a little time. After a while, we get to realizing, hey, that's not right. I, I, I don't feel good when I do that. In fact, I, I feel rotten when I do that. And so, with God's help, we stop doing it less and less and less until we don't do it anymore. We must also put off social sins, anger, rage, malicious behavior. That means being hateful, mean, cruel, slander, defamation of character, tearing someone down. And this happens a lot of times in the form of gossip. Dirty language, foul language, lying. All of these things are a part of our old life. It's not to be a part of our new life. Our new life in Christ is different. The reason for putting off all these things is that Colossians 3 uh, verses 9 and 10 says... For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. The more and more you come to know Jesus. And when you come to Christ at first, you know more about him than you know him. Now, if all of you, if somebody comes up to you tomorrow morning and says, uh, do you know Hayward Eastman? Oh, yeah, he's the associate pastor at Cold Lake Community Church. That's the church I go to. I know him. But do you really know me? If you want to ask someone who really knows me, ask Effie. <laughs> she could tell you exactly what I'm like. But knowing Jesus, that's the way it is. You can know Jesus in an intimate way like that. Or you can know about him. I would imagine that everyone in this room could tell the Christmas story and tell it accurately. You could tell the Easter story and tell it accurately. But do you know him personally? Is he a personal friend? Is he your savior? You see, we must put complete in practice what we have started in principle. And sometimes, when I like to put it this way, when, when you come to Christ, here is your Old, old life, your dirty life, okay? And here is your new life. And the day you say, Christ, come into my heart, be my Savior, both lives are this close. And the longer you serve him, the further away you get from that old life, hopefully. Right? 
Now, there's something else with this. When you're close to this, the first years of your, of your walk with Christ, you are so aware of the difference between this new life and this old life. What Christ has done for you. What a difference it is being a part of the family of God. But over the years, you begin to forget. Sometimes you even forget that some of the new Christians are going through the same problems that you went through 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's a process that we go through. But we must complete in practice what we started in principle. Practice in principle takes time and need, and, the, and the need, uh, and this is the need for such admonitions. What we have done in principle, we need to do in practice. And here it is. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that is, that is something to work at. A lot of these things don't come naturally to us. Make allowance for each other's faults. Wouldn't that be something if we practiced that one? You know, we look at a person and we sort of set a standard, a high standard for them that we don't even follow ourselves. And so the minute they step out of line, the minute that they do something wrong or say something wrong, aha, you're supposed to be a Christian. And look what you said, look what you did. Paul says, make allowances for your brothers and sisters. Realize that they're just the same as you. You know, some, there's no difference in me and you. I'm the associate pastor here. There's no difference in us. All of you guys who work in the oil fields, in the oil business, I work there. One day God picked me out of the oil business and put me into the ministry, the full-time ministry. I'm just like you. I've gone through all of the stuff that you go through. There were times when I got up and walked out of the lunchroom because I didn't want to hear any more of that filth. There were times when I grabbed a, a poster that was sticking on the wall and tore it down. But most of the time I endured it. I know, guys, what you go through. I know what you have to put up with. But I made a choice in my life that I was going to serve God. And I'm ashamed to say that sometimes some of those 
untimely jokes that were passed around, that were spoken, I laughed at. And I felt so dirty and so bad for doing so. But you see, I'm trying to explain to you that we are all the same. We all go through the same things. We all have the same temptations. Some of us are weaker than others in certain areas. Some of us are stronger than others in certain areas. But you and I, if we've asked Christ into our life, we're new men and women in Christ. We're a part of the family of God. We've been adopted into his family. Make allowance for one another. Forgive one another. Forgive anyone who offends you. It's a choice. Pride comes in and I'll never forgive him for that. I'll never forgive her for that. Come on. Do you think that God would ask you and I to do something we were incapable of doing? Of course not. He says, remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There's the standard. The Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Depending on the circumstances, doesn't mean that you have to be buddy-buddy. It doesn't mean that you've got to be falling all over them and Give them a big hug every time you see them. But you can forgive. Above all, clothe yourself with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Verse 15, and let the peace that comes from Christ Rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And isn't it great to live in peace? You know, Effie and I have been married for 51 years. And uh, we very seldom ever went to bed angry with each other. And I, I commented to her a while ago after a counseling session. We were driving home and I said, you know, honey, I'm so thankful for our marriage, for the fact that we can go to bed every night and just not have anything between us. No issues. Simply because we choose to live that way. 
Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. There's always something to be thankful for. Amen? Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all, wis all the wisdom he gives. Get your wisdom from Christ. If you lack wisdom, ask him. Do you know that we're all counselors? Do you know that you're basically every day you're giving counsel to somebody? Let it be wise counsel. Let it be based upon what the Word of God says rather than what Dr. Laura says or whatever the latest one is now. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. The Bible says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. You don't get to choose who you forgive. Love is a command, and forgiveness is an act of obedience. Forgiveness makes allowance for each other's faults. He has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother or his sister. Amen? That's quite a statement, isn't it? You can't be closer to God than you are to the people you love least. Isn't that something? But we like to sort of push aside some of those scriptures and say, well, you know, that's, that's not so important. God sets the bar high because grudges are like cancer and forgiveness is the laser that removes them. Bitterness chains us to the past. It destroys families, it divides churches, and it sours relationships. Forgiveness is the key that breaks the chains of hate. Take your hurt feelings to God. Don't look to someone else to take your offense. That's one of the worst things people do. Somebody rubs them the wrong way, and they go to someone else, and they tell them about it. You try to get them to take up the offense. Before you know it, you've got two people that are mad and don't know what they're mad about. God knows it's hard to forgive deep-seated hurts. God understands that. But he knows that if you don't forgive, you're going to be in a lot of trouble for the rest of your life until you do. He'll give you the grace to do it. To make allowance means to view others as God's children, that each one of us is a work in progress. 
each person is just like you. People change and grow over time. So don't insist on clinging to a, a limited, outdated view of somebody. What I was last year may be nothing like I am this year. You may not know the hours that I've spent in prayer, the hours that I've been before God, the hours, the time that I've prayed, been praying and fasting for a situation in my life that was the exact thing that was a thorn in your side. We are never in a good position to judge someone else. If we knew their circumstances, we might better understand why they act the way they do or the, way they, or the things they say. That's why we best leave all judgment to God who knows. He knows the whole story. And finally, your new life influences your household. Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them at all times, not just when they are watching you. Serve them and sincerely because of your reverent fear for the Lord, working willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your, as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. You notice that these statements end with this thought, as is fitting. We are to conduct ourselves with our family, with our spouses, with our children, at the workplace, as is fitting, as is becoming of a Christian. Wives, you're not to be doormats. You're not to be used and abused. The subject, give total respect and love to one man, your husband. That's what it means to be submissive. Husbands, you are to love your wives. That means to support and respect and comfort her. Give her security and safety, sense of well-being. It is not your place to say the Bible says you must submit. That is God's instruction to the wife, not the man's instruction to the wife. Amen? Children, obey your parents in all things. As your parents lead you in the ways that are pleasing to the Lord, don't rebel against godly, immoral, uh, godly moral instructions. The Bible calls that witchcraft. Fathers, don't bully your children. That's what it means. Don't bully your children. Don't push them 
past their limit of understanding. Slaves, well, we don't have slaves today, although you might feel like at some places at, at work you might feel like a slave, but uh, workers, let's put the word workers there, okay? Employ, em, em, employees, let your work please God. Don't just do it just when the boss is looking or when the foreman is looking, but do it to please God because you know that he's looking all the time. We have difficult Different roles in life. Husband, wife roles, father, mother roles, son, daughter roles, employer, employee roles. And this gives us uh, different rights and responsibilities. We may have our own set of standards to perform these roles. But God has given us the one clear principle, and it is this. The fear of God, the fear of the Lord. Okay? That means having an honor, a reverence, a respect for God. Above everything, obeying Him in worship, in praise, in the way you treat your fellow man. Regardless of the role, our goal is not to please others. It is to please God. Over and above everything else. It's nice if you can please someone else. But first and foremost, does pleasing someone else please God? And if it doesn't please God, then you are not to try to please that person just because they want to be pleased. So in conclusion today, the Bible tells us that none of us lives up to what God created us to be. We are all uh, shooting for that. That's a target. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were specifically provided so that we could turn to the Father's original plan, the plan that he had for us in the beginning. When you decide not to accept Jesus as your Savior, you are deciding against that plan. But when you decide to accept Jesus as your Savior, your relationship with God is established and your new life with Christ has begun. Your faith in God has accomplished several things for you. First of all, you're forgiven. You're washed from your sins. You're born again. You're justified, just as if you had never sinned. You're a child of God, adopted into the family of God, accepted, and given the glorious hope of eternal life, living it now here on this earth and forever with Christ. And these are just the beginning of blessings to come. That's your new life in Christ. Maybe you've been going through a difficult time. Maybe the devil has been trying to convince you that there's something wrong with you. That you maybe you're not, you're not the right material to be a part of the family of God. That's a lie. You are the right material. Jesus died for the whole wide world. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's you. I'm one of the whole whosoever's. 
You're one of the whosoevers. Christ died for you. He wants you to enjoy all that he has supplied for you. If you don't know the Lord today as your personal Savior, why don't you come? I'd like to pray with you. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.